0: Hello and welcome to the Gorilla's Art Book Podcast. My name's Kate Bryan and I'm here to celebrate the new Gorilla's Art Book, going behind the scenes with some of the artists featured. As well as never-before-seen work by Gorilla's co-founder Jamie Hewlett, the book brings together a global lineup of artists who have all created their own interpretations of the iconic Gorilla's band members. I'll be talking to a few of the artists that have contributed work to this illustrious new book, as well as a rare in-depth interview with Hewlett himself. I'll be asking the contributing artists how they arrived at their artwork and how on earth they tackled the challenge of rethinking something so well known and loved. Hopefully, we'll also get onto the philosophical stuff. What does art mean beyond the printed page and how does it shape culture and thought more widely? I want to know the ways in which they think art can connect and inspire us. Right, let's get to it. In this episode, I'm joined by Jared Cody Wolfe. Based in Pennsylvania, Jared's language is entirely his own. It's rooted in the comic tradition, and although it may have a vintage-looking quality with nostalgia-inducing references, it's also raw and unapologetic. Jared uses multiple stars at once as if a third party has annotated his own work, creating very complex, vibrant and sometimes slightly chaotic pages that beg the viewer to pore over them for ages. Jared, hello and thank you so much for chatting to me. Hi Kate. So your work follows Jamie's in the book. I don't know if you know that. I'm sat here with a very early copy of it and you've got an epic seven-page spread. So there is like Jamie's work and then your work and it really packs a punch up front. So tell me um, how you even sort of began such such a project.
1: Well, my art had been shared on an Instagram page called Museum of International Comic Art and Jamie started following me after that post and had shared some of my work and he uh, had contacted me asking me if I'd be interested in participating in the Gorillas art book and of course I said yes and it was a little overwhelming because he sort of gave me the option to do whatever I'd like and I had actually asked whether we could narrow it down to maybe um, some sort of story so uh, a few guys had written three synopses, and I chose one and then from there they wrote a very loose script and Interpreted it from there and it was a lot of fun.
0: Okay, right. Yeah, because I was really curious about the sort of narrative impetus because there's so much going on that at times it seems sort of purposefully not very sequential. like there's there's like it's it must be hard to get every single reference. Although I imagine that there are mega fans of yours and mega fans of the gorillas would have a field day kind of looking at all of these references and codes. It's like this complete universe of its own with these kind of scenes within scenes. There's text, there's these lovely scribble moments, kind of seemingly incidental details, but I know that each aspect makes for a very complex whole so you're you're given a kind of a loose script so then really it's up to you to what translate that into your visual language your and also your kind of thought process of like what you got a kick out of
1: yeah exactly so I do think my mind is a bit of chaos and so uh approaching the script that allowed me to to (laughs) narrow it down just a little bit um to make it a bit easier for me. And one artist I've always really admired was Jack Kirby, uh, who like created the Fantastic Four and a lot of the early Marvel characters. And they actually published a book at some point focusing one page, each page in the book was a panel, one panel from the first issue of Fantastic Four. And um, it was something I really liked where each panel could work as a piece of art itself. So when I approached the project, I wanted to focus on each panel individually, add as much detail into it, and also I did a lot of research about the gorillas, the history, the lore, and tried to incorporate as much as that of that as I could to make that interesting if they looked a little deeper into the story. Each day when I wake up and make art though, emotionally different colors appeal to me. Whether my art is loose or tight really depends on maybe my patience or my mood or something else. So I know it can vary dramatically. So carrying through six or seven pages that I'd done I knew that was inevitable that um if you look at i think the last two pages some of the color goes by the wayside um things become a bit a, a bit more loose it really just depends on my mood so but i think that you sum up my art really beautifully the the way you introduced it is really on the point
0: oh well i mean i really love looking at it and i i've i gave me like this kind of childlike wonder actually that i used to have looking at art when i was a kid when i was like it was just such a feast there's so much there that I'm trying to take in like on some levels you're reading and then other levels you're just getting the vibe off a page like there's certain kind of energies and action happening and then of course because it's interlaced with all of these characters that we recognize the gorillas right that you're looking at those as well and then just sort of seeing them through your eyes so I really I, I really admired what you've been able to achieve and it's fascinating to me that you talk about how your particular mood and sort of feeling on a day relates um, to to basically what pours out of you. And it does feel like it pours out of you, blimey. But I I have to ask about this idea of looking at, um, you know, the Gorilla's back catalogue, essentially, and Jamie's extraordinary work over a couple of decades. What was it for you that stood out? Like, what were the key things that sort of excited you? Like, what's your particular focus? I mean, it's called, it seems on page one, you know, April 1968, you give it this really fantastic kind of situation in vintage history, and it's, you know, Noodle and the Gorillas. So what was it? Was it was it Noodle? Or what were the key things that were exciting for you?
1: You know, I'd, I'd have to look at each page now at this point, because when I was creating it, and it's the same as when I make my art, a lot of times I'm sort of journaling in a way. So if I'm reading you know, Joseph Campbell or Richard Feynman or someone like Schopenhauer or something, aspects of what they say in their books or, you know, maybe it's a mathematical equation that means something uh, in that moment. I'm studying that and I'm thinking about that, but I don't necessarily retain information well. I just know that when I'm putting it into the piece, it's meaningful. <laughs> so oftentimes, I, I, I'd imagine 1968 could even potentially be I don't know, Jamie's birthday or something maybe, that date, I'm not I'm not certain any longer. But I think that if the fans know or if, um, and that is how I create my art and I will quickly forget because I don't retain information. Um, I think it has to do with uh, my interest in like chaos magic or something where you put your intention into the world or into this thing like a sigil of some sort and then you forget about it.
0: I'm sort of fascinated by the sort of multi-layered approach. There's this kind of, you know, almost like a kind of spiritual approach to get yourself in the right place to make the work, to kind of, you know, do your best to allow the creation to find you. But then there's these really kind of technical approaches. So oftentimes I can see that you actually use real photographs that are kind of collaged in and then I I love the areas where actually you just leave the drawing undone so it's not coloured in it's not filled in and you kind of almost break the illusion of the whole page like you've conjured this whole universe and then it's like an interruption like you disrupt your own creation by just leaving it as a drawing and it reminds us oh yeah there's your hand you know you've you've made this um what else are you using? Like how much work are you doing digitally and how much are you doing by hand? I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of artists listening to this who would love to know a bit more about the ins and outs of actually how you go about creating something like this.
1: Yeah, so I'm a big fan of uh, Warhol and Basquiat. So sometimes I'm using pop art where I use pen or ink brush pens and I'll sometimes I'll light box images straight up. And then sometimes when I'm doing like a more playful childlike drawing, I'll draw that, you know, kind of freestyle. I think because I tried to take on a wide range of influences, uh, I approach each piece differently depending on what I want to express. But yes, I do all the drawings on, I think, 9 by 12 sketchbook paper with pens or ink brushes. And then I photograph that with my iPhone and I bring it into procreate and uh, or I uh, email it to myself and I get it on my iPad. I do it on procreate and then i just play there's a million you know mediums and things on procreate i try to do things that are like tight but then i try to be playful around that because the child like wonder is really important to me you know i might write a shopping list on the side of it or something for avocados and coca-cola or whatever and that's sort of, you know, that is a bit Basquiat and I don't drink Coca-Cola, but I'll put it on there because I think it's timeless and classic. So just to add that flair, because I want to do something that's like new but old, familiar and alien, you know, foreign but personal, something that might make you laugh, but also make you feel introspective, you know?
0: Yeah, I would love that sense of the familiar and the alien. Like there's so much about poring over these pages that I thought, oh, I know this. I kind of know where I am. And then you'd see something and you'd be like, What? <laughs> it's just it's like a bit of a non sequitur and it's it's funny and it's disruptive and it's playful and definitely yeah like childlike and you feel like you kind of want to be on the inside like maybe there's a cool gang and everybody knows the inside of all of this but um, and you're somehow searching but it's a nice kind of searching you don't feel like excluded in any way I mean, how did it feel when Jamie approached you? You said he, you know, he admired your work on Instagram. I mean, to sort of take on a project like this, you know, it's like an an artist I assume you really admire. And then and someone who has achieved something which is so unique and has been doing it for a long time. And then you think, oh, blimey, like I've got to take their creations and then like enter them into my own landscape. Were you nervous? Did you feel like, oh, I don't know if I can do it or were you just like, oh, I'm just going to just going to go for it?
1: I was most nervous about doing someone else's characters because Jamie's art style is so much his own that to draw them any other way kind of felt strange because it's such a signature style. But like so many other things in life, I I do just go for it. You know, I, I think you have to. I thought it might just be fun to mm. kind of just play, you know. So in the story, I draw Russell numerous styles because in my own art if I drew myself every day I would be different you know I would look different I've done myself portrait you know a hundred different ways so I just wanted to let loose and have a good time and it was never really a struggle which was mm. surprising I was um really pleased I felt like I was headed in the right direction when Jamie contacted me and said I was one of his favorite artists I you know I really <laughs> haven't been drawing that long um I Have always doodled on my school papers growing up, and now I'm 38. But I only really drew for the last five years seriously. So, yeah, it felt good. It was nice.
0: Yeah, I noticed that on your Instagram. You talked a little bit about kind of taking it more seriously in the last few years. So, tell me about how that happened. How you got your start, and you know, now, sort of how you got to where you are now. What was that journey?
1: Well, I say the like the cliff notes. You know, when I was a kid, we were really quite poor and we lived in like a tin can trailer on the side of a creek and my mom worked three jobs and she uh one of them was cleaning law offices and the lawyers at the place would have their stationary paper and she would take that out of the trash and bring it home and had like their law firm stamped at the top and um she'd bring that home and I'd punch holes in them and tie them together with twine and I started making comics and cartoons as a kid you know six seven eight years old my dad had a trash bag full of comic books in the attic that I wasn't supposed to look at and I had as soon as he left I would you know rip it open and read these comics and so I think that inspired me early on and then I drew on papers through school and kids seemed to want those drawings but it was never anything I took seriously and then I started doing like LSD and drinking a lot and partying a lot and I sort of I had a lot of fun and I you know I do think I expanded my mind a little or something but I kind of lost my hobbies and At some point I decided to stop all of that. So when I stopped drinking and carrying on, I was like, oh, I do need hobbies. Like I have to (laughs) do something now. And so I started exercising and drawing a lot. And I started doing like portraiture of famous people at first, like stippling. And at some point I decided to do character drawings. And I started drawing these characters I called Lightbringers. And when I started doing those, I realized People really loved them. And so that was really the first time I thought, oh, maybe maybe I could do something with this. So I published a little like book of the characters, and that went well. And then my art started getting shared. So, of course, I was like inspired more to do more. And um, with the Lightbringers characters I did, I started to get a little more attention there. And it was exciting. But what I find is that when something's working for me, I'll often uh, stop doing it. So I started doing a different style of art, which is sort of what I maybe am doing now, leading up to now, which is sort of the collage pop art style. And, you know, at some point, that's about when Jamie had contacted me. And so then doing the gorillas project was very exciting. And I loved printing my books, the sober books I make. Uh, but I feel like I wanted to step away and maybe just do these things in private for a bit. And I was really attracted to doing minimalist artwork, uh, expressionist artwork, maybe physical, tangible artwork that, you know on canvases and things. So it may be something else entirely different, which I don't know what that'll look like, but that's where I am now. I'm sort of separating myself a bit and hoping to find something a bit like primitive and separated. I often think of social media as sort of like town square, you know, like uh, I like to think of things in ancient terms. Uh, and I think social media is a lot like a town square. Maybe to take my voice out of town square for a little while and then come back with something new.
0: You mentioned there your um, sober books. I was looking online at your sober zines, which look like a fascinating project. Tell me about how that came about. And it seems like it's been sort of birthed on social media and had a really exceptional response.
1: Yeah, I knew that I wanted to make zines. I, um, I've i collected comics since I was a little kid and collected artwork and things, so I always liked printed books and zines. And in, uh, I think it's Bethesda, Maryland here, just uh, south of me, there's a independent comic convention called Small Press Expo every year. And people make handmade books and handmade you know items at the Small Press Expo, and I always really loved that and admired that, and that was something I wanted to partake in. So that's what I wanted to print my own books and have put together my favorite of the art I'd created. Because at one point I had done something like almost 900 consecutive drawings, you know, 900 days straight or something almost. So I figured there was plenty there to create, you know, a book or two out of. And that's what became Sober was that paired with some of the Lightbringers characters I enjoyed.
0: Wow, that's a huge amount of work, 900 drawings. So it must feel sort of special being part of something which spans so many countries. I mean, there are so many diverse artists in this book from all over the world, very different styles, very different approaches. Um, I think it's sort of particularly poignant that it came together during a global pandemic. Um, Jamie and I were talking about the way that art making can be a pretty isolating experience and sometimes that's great like you mentioned the idea of kind of journaling and I can see that you get a lot out of your art um beyond just the you know the visual and the physical um but also there's a downside to kind of being on your own as an artist and I was wondering how it felt to be part of this kind of kind of global art enterprise I suppose
1: Uh, I feel extremely honored I really loved um in particular off the top of my head right now uh, the artist Ralph Mercy you know yep. of course I grew up listening to The Cure so Robert Smith being in the book is really great and really cool but you know I'm like I'm I'm an introvert so during the pandemic the I found it really comfortable and really inspiring because there was also social upheaval and political upheaval and those things really uh,
0: inspired me. Yeah I mean I suppose for many artists it wasn't massively different to the the sort of the status quo for them so how do you think making art for a living or just being an artist full-time occupying that space as an artist sort of changes the way you experience the world because of course you've gone through many years of not making art every day and not having it front and center and in the last few years you've turned that around and now it it does sound like it's like the focus of your sort of world um how, how do you think it has has sort of changed changed you um
1: I am a bit apprehensive to you know, say that I, you know, I want to maintain it as a hobby first. Um, I super appreciate the um, attention it's getting and I love it. you know, it's enjoyable, it's fun. Um, but I think it was like Wally Wood, the comic artist said something about like if I knew what it would be to be like a comic artist, I would have cut off my hands or something. And so, but I think that has to do with deadlines and doing projects that are like commission work or something, um, which I do Mm. struggle with. So, you know, that may be why I'm tending to lean toward doing like getting off social media to focus on things that are personal again and uh, make sure that I don't get too consumed, that it becomes too much of a career Uh, where I lose the love for it because I had run a comic book store of my own for six years and I fell out of love with that and um, I don't want to do that again with something as important as art is to me to express things. Um, So my my day jobs actually often uh, I drive because I enjoy, they tell me to go to point A to point B and back again and it's very zen-like, I don't have to, uh, you know, it's not a lot of pressure. So I like to I like things in my life not to have a lot of pressure or friction and I don't want art to become friction
0: yeah, and, but funnily enough, the, the friction maybe comes out in, on the page instead. So it seems like it, it's a really good system you've got there. And I tell you what, I feel very zen listening to you, Jared. So thank you very much. It's been um, it's been a pleasure for more than one reason. I feel really chilled out now. So that's all we've got time for for this episode of the Gorillaz Artbook Podcast. Thank you so much, Jared. Thank you so much, Kate. And thanks to everybody for listening. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe, follow and rate this podcast on whichever platform you use.